Hello, hello. hello. Hey, guys. Welcome, welcome to tonight's session. Christina Markoski is back. I'm back. I'm out of retirement. I've been pulled out of retirement early by Mr. George Mykoski himself. No, I was never in Thank retirement. You. Thanks for coming along, Christina. Really appreciate it. Now, what I'd like to do, guys, is I'm going to post a little link in the chat, and this link will allow you to comment with your name. Oh, cool. Excellent. We right. love talking to now, you guys. What I'd like to know, I'd like to know if people in the Australian property investors can hear us and see us. If you're yes, in there, let's get all that tech stuff sorted out. Okay. So if you're in there, guys, please um, type in Australian Property Investors so I know that you're there. But I just want to make sure we're streaming to Australian Property so I'm not sure if we are. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Tonight we've got a session we're going to be talking and about And say money. hello. Let us know how you are. How's your week going? What's been happening? Yes, exactly. What's been happening? And hello. So we're going to be talking about money. Oh, money, money, money. Money, money, they've, money. <laughs> they've made songs about it. They've made movies about it. They, they based a, a character on SpongeBob SquarePants who loves money, Mr. Krabs, and he goes around going, money, money, money. Then you've got Mr. Burns, who's got all the money. So money is one of those things in a capitalist side that's pretty important. And we're gonna, So we're going to learn how to win the money game tonight. That's right. And the one thing um, I need to explain to people, I'm going to talk about the banks and what the banks do with your money. Because do you ever wonder what are the banks doing? You know, Absolutely. What are the banks doing for money? And realistically, when I think of money game, I think of things like um, Monopoly and cash flow, the game that Robert Kiyosaki made with his wife, Kim Kiyosaki, on yep. learning how money works. Um, it can very much start as a kid playing board games. Absolutely. And who plays cash flow or Monopoly with their kids? I'd love to know. Type in the chat if you do. I, know, I played I know... Monopoly so much as a kid. Like, it was literally my favourite game. The only thing that was a little bit frustrating was it usually went for over five hours because everyone playing was so good with their money, including me, obviously. Like, start them young <laughs> with learning how to save and how to invest. And it's all about buying properties. Hey, look at this. this. Is um, Brandon. Brandon. Hey, guys, I joined your program last week with my partner. Well, welcome to the tribe of like-minded investors. Um, welcome, welcome. Baden, great to have now, you here. So the funny thing is, in Monopoly, right, it's a fun game. And I, when I first played Monopoly, I loved it. I thought, wow. And my friends told me you can actually play it in real life. And I was like seven at the time. And I just thought, this is so much fun. It's you know so what I cool. find fascinating, George? You and I both made our own Monopoly boards as kids. Oh, you did too, did you? I did, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. My, my parents my parents said, oh, we haven't got the money, so I decided to make my own board. And right. I didn't remember the whole board, so it was pretty, pretty terrible. Well, but I was fortunate. My parents actually did have the real game. They had a kid's version too, so we had two Monopoly games. But I also uh, I loved it so much, I ended up making my own as well for like a school assignment. Fantastic. And I made my own Monopoly board and played that and loved it. Now, one thing Monopoly is really good at, and it, this sort of instills, and I think Monopoly helped me to think this way, is, you know, with real estate, you've got to buy as many, many much real estate as you can for the right cash flow and keep it as long as yeah. you can. And the longer you've got a property, the more you make out of it. The more money once, it makes you, yeah. yeah. Yes. 
because I'm in Monopoly. It's not longer, but it's, you know, you put the houses on and the hotels on, you redevelop it. But in real life, it's just time that gives you that. Absolutely. So that, they, they couldn't emulate time there, so that's how they did it. And, and it teaches you about time in the market with having property and, and time going by. Obviously, you're going around the board in Monopoly, um, exactly. but that's to simulate time passing. Exactly, exactly. And the thing is, the fact of it is, I mean, with property, there's so many people out there trying to speculate and going, is it a good time, is it a bad time? And they don't understand that the most important thing in property is time in the market. Mm, it's absolutely. not just any time in the market. You want to have a property in the top 200. You want to have a property that's the right cash flow and a high growth area. Yeah, 100%. But let's talk about what happens when you put, when you put money in the bank. Because at the moment, we've got a lot of inflation. Inflation's on the news. It's all over the place, right? Yeah. And you know what I mean? Everyone's talking about how much inflation has happened since COVID. That's I mean, right, you look at right. the, the cost of build materials have gone up by, what, like 80%. Like the cost of petrol's gone up. The cost of food's gone up. Everything has gone up, it seems like, anyway. Yes. Well, actually, not everything's gone up, and I'm going to explain what has and what hasn't. Yeah, so okay. What what's happened is there's a few reasons why we got actual inflation, right? One is probably we overclocked the stimulus payments and spent a lot of money as a government, right? Right. One of that was an accident. But the the other thing was the supply chain was really the big thing. So Yeah, this is fascinating to get into the nitty-gritty of um where the inflation actually happened along the line and and figure yes. out those pieces of the puzzle. And the supply chain is a very big part of it. And what happened is the supply chains actually has fallen apart. It's, it's come back now. It's fine. But during yeah. COVID, that we weren't having all the shipping and there was all these boats caught at port and the supply chain just stopped. I mean, we saw that here in Australia. I mean, we couldn't even get toilet paper. Like, isn't wow. that crazy? Yeah, but like, everyone was buying a lot of toilet paper too. Yes. So and that's, that, no, that was increasing that, demand. No, no, no. That, that, there was... There was a more demand because people were living, staying at home, and using toilet paper. Because normally you go to work and use work toilet paper, which is yeah. a different different product. So mm -hmm. the challenge was we had plenty of work toilet paper, not enough home toilet paper. Yeah, plenty of commercial toilet paper, but not the residential stuff. That's right, exactly. So that's the supply chain thing. So the supply chain broke down, and that's part of the reason. But also, I mean, some of it's been inflicted on us after the US weaponized the financial system against Russia. And then Russia weaponized inflation, right, by cutting gas and oil supply to the West. Wow. So the Russia, the war, so what's happened is COVID has stopped, has disrupted the supply chain. Mm -hmm. The reserve banks all around the world have printed heaps of money, which causes inflation. Yeah, I know the banks are Russia, printing money like crazy, yeah, right? Yeah. And then Russia um, uh, invades Ukraine. So therefore, we've cut off to the biggest breadbasket in Europe and also all that oil, gas and resources off. So therefore, it's pushed up commodities. So what's happened, it's like a perfect storm. Yeah. And so that's really disrupting the low inflation we've had because we've had super low inflation for 20 years straight. Well, I remember um, when they started reducing interest rates as well. It was like the lowest interest rates had, had been in ages. The lowest interest rates in 5,000 years. Exactly. That's what I'm That's saying. Ages. That's, That's ages. ages. Exactly. It's <laughs> exactly. a long time, right? That's right. Exactly. So so 
That's basically um, what's happening with inflation. Is it going to get better? Well, the supply chain's been fixed, right? We can still get goods and goods. And, and, and what goods. exactly fixed the supply chain? Like, how did it fix itself, basically? Okay. It, it stopped working because of COVID and people yeah. not wanting to catch COVID and us having everyone having big rules and who could come. Oh, and right. But now because of like um, countries are opening up borders and things like that, um, it's like back to business as usual. Yep. Yep. That's that's right. Exactly. And someone said China, Taiwan is the next tension. And yes, it is because, you know, China's been shooting missiles across Taiwan. I wonder if they're going to stop there. But also, mm-hmm. basically what's happened is US and the West are having a bit of a trade war with Russia and China. Yeah, well, that's been happening for a few years now. Yes, and the thing is, what's happened before this is the West, right? Mm-hmm. We had we were um, basically um, buying lots of commodity, cheap stuff from China and the East, and East were producing it all and sending it through, and it was working like a beautiful partnership. But that's been it a little bit, bit of a stuff. machine that was just churning for ages. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So inflation is here to stay for a while longer. Mm-hmm. The thing is, because the supply chain's been... So what happened was um, products and goods were inflated, but yeah. services stayed the same. They haven't actually changed. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so if you go get a haircut... It's the same price now as what it was last year or two years ago. But okay. so any, most, all services are the same. You get a massage, a haircut, any service you look, it hasn't changed at all. Yeah. Right? It's just the just um the goods that have changed. Right. Okay. Interesting. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? Yeah, and obviously the prices of properties have gone up a lot too. Yes, because they're a physical thing. It's a hard asset. It's a hard asset. And hard yeah. assets go up during inflation and soft yeah. assets can crash. And yeah. you know, what they're saying now is there's going to be a massive crash in the stock market. Yeah, absolutely. I've been hearing now, that a lot. I'm not an expert in the stocks, but there's always a big crash waiting around the corner with stocks because that's what happens. You look at back 2008, um, a lot of people on the pension and ready to retire in Australia and America, lost over 50% of all their retirement savings. Yeah, totally. Well, if you ask me, the stock market is rigged. If you don't, if you're not like um, doing like insider trading and you don't know what's going to happen, you can't really make money. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And it's, it's a game for the big boys and the, the big companies that, you know, make billions off of doing yes. that sort of thing. Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, I, I, had, I had lunch with Wolf of Wall Street. And, um, yes. You know, <laughs> what was his name again? I forgot now. Um, I can't remember either. Doesn't matter. We call him yeah. the Wolf of Wall Street. The Wolf. Anyway, I had lunch with the Wolf, and the Wolf was saying. I know Leonardo DiCaprio played him in the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. But he said it was rigged. Uh, someone asked, do you have any predictions on where interest rates will peak? We actually did a whole episode on that. I think. Um, was it last week or the week before? Could have been the week before. I need to find that episode, but there is yeah. we, there is one, right? So we've done that. We've talked. Jordan, Jordan Belfort, Belfort, thank you. Yes. Yeah. 
I was, think, I was thinking of when we started talking about the stock market and all that, I was thinking of like I love this show called Billions. I don't know if any of you guys have watched that show. And then I could just right think side. of the, the people in that show. Uh, it's a really good show. But, yes, yeah, so it was Jordan Belfort and apparently he says that the show Billions was based off of his life. Yes, that's right, exactly. And you can see uh, what he does. Now, one thing, one thing, I mean, a lot of people said, why did you have lunch with that person because of what he did and everything else like Jordan that? Jordan Belfort, yeah. Yeah, but, um, but the deal is, I mean, one, he admitted he was wrong and he's trying to make good. And I think anyone that admits they're wrong and admits their mistake should get a second chance. I think the people that, you know, do something mm -hmm. bad and don't admit their mistake, they shouldn't get a second chance. But if you admit it and you're trying to do good, and also, I mean, he was the one that got caught. Everyone on Wall Street was doing the same thing. Yeah. Right? He was just too – was, it was that right size where they wanted to teach him a lesson, where the mm -hmm. big boys, they can't do that to them because the whole economy will collapse the Fannie Mae's and all those other companies that collapsed, they were doing much worse. But because they're so big, they own the game. That's the thing. And that's the problem. That's the challenge of stock market. But money. So how does money work? So let, there's a thing called fractional lending. Yeah, I'm really curious to find out more about this because when I first heard of this, it was like a light bulb moment. And I was like, wow, really? That's how banks work? And I found it so fascinating. Yeah, so, so banks... Um, use fractional lending. So what happens is if you deposit $100 in the bank, they can lend out $1,000. Yeah, so the ratio is 1 to 10. 1 to 10, exactly. So yeah. um, when you're putting money in the bank, the bank's getting your money and using it to make money, right? Yeah, now, but, but for, every, for, for $1 that exists, essentially $9 don't really exist. They're, they're virtual. They're, they don't, they're not even real. They're not even real. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's crazy, right? Yes, but what happens is the reason fractional lending works is like this. So if 10 people deposit money, mm -hmm. only one out of 10 is going to want their money back at any given time. So therefore, yep. it works. But It sounds like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> well, <laughs> funny enough, it is a Ponzi scheme. And what happened was back in the 1920s in America, there was more than one in 10 people that wanted their money out of the bank. And guess what happened? Mm -hmm. The banks crashed. It collapsed. Yeah. Yes. And there was people in the streets and trying to get their money out. And the people that got their money out first got their out and everyone else collapsed. They lost everything. Wow. Right? So, you know, banks are not the safest place to put your money. Now, mm. this is the thing. During those 1920s, the people that had property, those properties didn't collapse. Mm-hmm. Because you know I mean? it's a hard asset. A hard asset, exactly. Hello. Exactly. So, you know, Seeing I, prefer, a here. I prefer to take my money and put it into hard assets. and then I get anxiety it. if I have too much money in the bank. Like, I don't like it. I need to take it out and put it in property. Otherwise, yes. I can't sleep at night. <laughs> well, the fact of it is, um, over the last 20 years, if you left your money in the bank, it wasn't that bad. Right. Well, even I look at the return I'm going to get putting it into property versus leaving it in the bank. In the bank, it's just shrinking. If I put it in property, it's keeping up with inflation and it's actually making me a lot better return. Well, exactly. But, but, but basically, yes, true. But in the last 20 years, because it wasn't high inflation, yeah. you could leave your money in the bank and still take it out and it hasn't shrunk too much. 
Mm. Right? Only a little bit. It was shrinking a little bit per year. But at the moment, people's money in the bank has got massive shrinkage. You know what I mean? It's really shrinking fast. And it's like it's been in an ice bath. It's got shrinkage. That's right. It's got shrinkage, exactly, <laughs> which um, is not good. So, therefore, that's part of the reason people got to wise up and really get what they can because what's going to happen is this is going to happen. And I predicted this back in 2009 where a lot of people, I said to them, get your money, get into a property Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you won't, that deposit's not going to work. Because back in 2009, you could have 50,000 deposit and buy a property, right? Yeah. And people with $50,000 in the bank, they were sitting around on the fence wondering they should mm-hmm. go ahead or not go ahead. Now, can they invest in property? No. Probably not. They're priced out yeah. of the market. George, I remember having this identical conversation with people before COVID and they had a deposit of like $60,000 and, and their job obviously could allow them to get a loan at the time. But now because lending's changed so much just within three years, they could have easily brought two investment properties three years ago, but now they can't now, buy anything. They can't, any, they can't get anything. And, and they should have done it while they had the opportunity. I'm like, hello, have you heard of the saying, make hay while the sun shines? You can do it now, but they just had fear holding them back and then they never but did this- anything. And the, the problem is now they may ne- never get back in the market unless they win the lottery or yeah. inherit some money or save a lot more than they've saved in the past, mm-hmm. which is going to be hard. So that's the yeah. challenge because the property market is ever expanding and moving forward. And if you miss that train, the thing is, it's like a train. It's really like a gravy train because if you get on that train, then the, the hard part is imagine there's a train going. It's called the property gravy train, Right and you're running towards it. And there's some people at the station sitting there going, nah, I won't get on this train and wait for the next one, right? Which missed it. But some people are willing to run as hard as they can and catch that gravy train. That's what I did, right? Yeah. I, I, I um, you know, it wasn't easy getting my first property. When I got my first loan, they said, um, that's it, you tapped out, right? But I didn't give up. I just kept going more and trying to get more and more. Absolutely. You get on that gravy, you work hard enough and run fast enough and jump on that gravy train. You're set for life because you don't have to run anymore. There's other people at the station, they've missed the gravy train. They have to walk to the next station. They can't ride that train anymore. They've missed it. So Mm. there's going to be some people that can never catch the train again. They're going to have to walk for the rest of their lives. Other people are going to have to work a bit harder to catch the next train and keep going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just want to take a second to acknowledge the person that said, nice to see you back, Christina. I hope you're feeling better. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, I'm glad to be back. I've been pulled out of my recovery a little bit early, (laughs) but I don't mind because I love doing these sessions and I love talking to you guys and, yeah, really happy to be here. It's great to have you back. It really is. It's excellent. I want you to keep it on time so we don't go over because – We've got plenty of time because we started 10 minutes early, so. Oh, you know, (laughs) on the top of this thing it said 6.05. That's when it starts, but it actually starts – I got it wrong anyway. It doesn't matter. So, so look – the money game is a mind game, correct? Mm. Now, a lot of it does come down to mindset and your ability to get out of your comfort zone and, you know, go for your dreams and go for your goals. Yep. Now, I want to go deep, guys. I'm going to go deep on money. I've got a few questions asking about China mortgage crisis and stuff like that. And thank you for asking the question, but I want to focus on the topic at hand, which is money. 
today. Mm -hmm. I want to go deep. I want to go really deep because I think that's where a lot of people get the value from. So going deep, I want to talk about your relationship with money, right? Okay, yeah. Because people's relationship with your money, the relationship you've got with money actually determines how much money you're going to have. And unfortunately, a lot of people have got a bad relationship with money. They don't think they deserve money. They don't have a good relationship with money. They're scared of money. They don't understand money. And what happens is as soon as they get money, they blow it. And whenever they get an opportunity, they blow the opportunity. I know a lot of people that do that. (laughs) That as soon as they get money, they have to blow it on something that will lose all their money. Like they, they can't stand having money within their reach. And I just think, wow, what a way to live. Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. What a way to live. And it's a challenge. Mm. It's a challenge. And the thing is, you know, you get those people. I'm going to call them out right here, right now. You get these people that um, they say, well, money's not important to me. I don't care about money, mm. right? Now, why they're saying that is not that they don't care about money. It's because they don't feel they can get it, so they'd rather pretend they don't want it. Right. It's like a defence mechanism that they put up. It's a defence mechanism. It's a bit like, um, you know, you've got a guy that's been single for a long time and is like, nah, I'm really fussy and I don't, you know, I don't really care if I've got a girlfriend. I don't want one, right? But they really, they're actually, it's the one thing they want more than anything else. Right. But they're pretending they don't want it to make themselves feel better instead of facing reality because a lot of people don't want to face reality. So yeah. getting, um, getting comfortable with the money takes getting uncomfortable first. That's the thing, right? Because, you know, dealing with money because it's such a um, topic that's full of so much emotion. You know, you hear, you know, money is evil, the root of all evil, and you hear about all this stuff. And what happens is when we're young, we hear our parents maybe fight over money or and we get certain assumptions and ideas and it affects mm. us for the rest of our lives. Now, for you to attract money, you've got to consciously and unconsciously accept it and really um, know that you deserve it. And mm. part of that is loving yourself enough to know you deserve money. Yeah, wow. And so it, it goes right back to, um, I guess, how you feel about yourself even and, and whether you deserve to have money and be wealthy. Yeah, well, look, um, as you know, I've, I've done neurolinguistic programming and other stuff mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. basically when it comes to the core of it, what happens is you have people that don't love themselves fully and they get money and they blow it, mm. right? And it's almost like they can't get rid of it fast enough. I, I know I know someone like that, actually. I know yeah. a few people like that. And, you know, and what happens is they end up getting addicted to gambling or, or drugs or alcohol and things like that and the money just flows through. And the thing yeah. is the reason they do that is because they haven't got that relationship with themselves and the money. Because the relationship with yourself and with money is very important. I think and it also comes in down to the fact that they've got no long-term thinking and they're not really planning for like a, a brighter future because people that I know who have the mindset of an investor's mindset like you and I, we're building a brighter future and we're, we're you know, investing and doing what we need to to make sure that there's going to be abundance and wealth like, and keep growing that and multiplying that. But the people who don't do that, they seem to be very much um, sometimes like live in the moment people who 
Uh, they buy something big and flashy like a brand new sports car and they're like, oh, they feel better like instantly. It like obviously makes them happy for maybe like a week or so, but then they're right back to feeling like shit and then they'll sell that car and then they'll lose like, you know, 50000 like overnight like that. And I'm like, what are they doing? Like they're crazy. But there, there must be obviously deep down a reason why they're doing that and why they have those behaviours and they're acting like that. They, they're doing it to make themselves instantly sort of feel better. Yes. And the thing is, it's materialism. See, people use materialistic objects, right? And, you know, sports cars and Gucci watches and bags and all that, they give people a bit of a status hit and a bit of endorphin rush. Right. Yeah, yeah. Let's say you feel bad, get yourself a Gucci bag, and suddenly you feel better. You feel like, wow, I'm important, right? Now, mm-hmm. and I, I know, I know a few guys. You know, they buy Rolexes, they buy sports cars to make themselves feel better. But the problem is, you can't have material possessions. Can't fix the hole in your heart, right? Just can't mm. do that. Very temporary. It's very temporary. And when people become materialistic, they, um, I think, they just lose a bit of themselves. Now. There's, there's, there's a difference between buying nice things that you enjoy that you can afford and being mm-hmm. materialistic, completely different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I've got a convertible Porsche. I've got a beautiful, you know, $5 million house on the beach and all that sort of stuff, right? And but, I've got a Gucci bag. But, <laughs> but did but, I but, buy a shitload of properties first before I brought that bag? Absolutely. <laughs> that's right. Because if you're buying the item to make yourself feel better and you can't afford it, then that's really terrible. But if you got the money and you don't need it and you you want it, there's nothing wrong with it because you should put be it this way: money. if you're getting such a huge passive income from your investments, then you can afford those luxury items. If you're not getting yes. any passive income from your investments, then you shouldn't be buying those luxury items. That's it's pretty right. simple. And, and that's and the, look, you look at a lot of um, famous sports people and actors and singers end up being dead broke. Yeah, it's it's and crazy it's how many like hundreds. really high earning individuals, celebrities, you name it, um, have gone bankrupt because they haven't been smart with their money. Exactly. I mean, you look at Elvis, for example. We, I just watched the Elvis movie, and and yep. he ended up going broke because he didn't manage his money. It was just like blowing it on all these really expensive things. Um, and he was and yeah, there's quite a few people that do that. Yeah, great movie. It was an excellent movie. I love life, real life movies. Um, what time do we have to start the show? It's six twenty. Uh, in about fifteen minutes. Okay, great. We've got plenty more time. So, how do you get comfortable with money? Right. Well, good question. And okay. then, how do you win the money game? More importantly. Yeah. Okay. So there's a book, and if you haven't read it, you need to read it. And it's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Okay, yes. I've heard right. you talk about this book yeah. many times. And so considering I read a book a week, I haven't read it yet, or maybe I have read it and I've forgotten. I've, I've got it in my library, obviously. So a book, I'll, yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give everyone a little bit of an example of how it works. The Richest yeah. Man of Babylon talks about an old ancient prophecy back in Babylon about this, this guy who had um, three servants mm-hmm. and what he did with money and how he acted with money. And... He talks and through stories, he tells you the rules of money and the rules are really powerful. Right. And I'll tell you rule number one. What you earn is yours to keep. 
See how that changed your relationship with money? It's mm -hmm. yours to keep. What you earn is yours to keep. It's a beautiful saying, right? Because, um, and what they say is then, it's rule number two is pay yourself first. Yeah. How do you pay yourself first? I'll tell you how you pay. And I've, I've done this since I was 16 years old because I, I read this when I was like 16 and I loved it. Very small book. And I heard about it because I was always into motivational speaking and listening to things and all that. So basically um, what you do is when you get paid, you get 10% of that money and you put it in a separate account that you never touch. That is a great way to improve your relationship with money. Mm. Right? Because what happens is you're putting money away each week. And it doesn't matter how much you earn. When I was 16, I was earning like $60 a week. So I was putting $6. I was putting more than that, but minimum $6 away each yeah. week. And the thing is, what happened was, I remember when I was 17, 18, I had a lot of money in the bank and none of my friends had nothing. And they were like, wow, how did you become so rich? I mean, your parents, because their parents were a lot richer than mine. I went to a private school. My parents yeah. weren't, right? And they're going, how did you get money? What did you do? And I go, well, I've just been putting money away. They were laughing at me. But I've done that my whole life. And it's now fascinating it that they didn't understand the concept of saving and you were like going, well, yeah, I got this through saving. Yeah, exactly. But it was a long-term saving because, yeah. you know what I mean? And the key is I just kept putting the money away and getting used to it. And I built that habit. And knowing that my money was mine to keep, I just kept doing it my whole life, every job that I've had. You know, I started putting 10, then I started putting 15, then 20% away as I got more income. Because yeah, I didn't need yeah. it. You know what I mean? When you're earning $60 a week, 10% is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. When you're earning four grand a week, it's not. Exactly. It's yeah, it's all relative, more, right? All relative, exactly. And that's what it's about. But these little, um, and then what they talk about is get your money and multiply it, put it in Absolutely. something, invest your money. Because the other rule is you've got to invest your money, right? Yeah. The rich invest their money. You're not going to get ahead in life if you don't invest. It's pretty simple. You cannot save yourself to wealth. You Seriously. Can't, you can't. But the first There's no point even trying. No, no. But before you invest, the first thing you will to do is save, right? Mm. It's step one. So you, 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 can't, um, you can't become financially free through saving because saving is crawling because after yeah. you need to walk and after that you need to yeah. run. Because for step one, you've got to crawl, save money. Step two, you've got to walk, which is investing. Step three, you've got to run, which is passive money coming in every week. And Absolutely. step four, not only have you got passive money, but you've got capital growth fueling that. And what happens is that multiplies and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. See, Warren Buffett, right? Guess what age he started investing in? Oh, I think he must have started pretty young, right? Maybe like 20? He was 11. Oh, wow. Even younger right? than 20. <laughs> now, he didn't become a billionaire till he was 59. And he right. was nothing when he was 50. Wow. Right? And now everyone knows who he is. And what's happening there is, is a thing called compounding interest. Mm -hmm. he, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't earning much more than the average return. You don't need right. to. What you need to do is just stick at it long enough and get the cash flow right, and you will make the money sooner or later. You know, yeah, you so he became a billionaire in nine years? So what happens is 
when you invest is your investments double every seven or 10 years. Yeah. It's called the rule of seven. So the rule of seven means if you're getting 10% return, in seven years, your investment doubles. So then seven years again, it quadruples. Seven years again, it's 16. Seven years again, it's 32. I'm seeing a pattern here. It's not rocket science. You just right. got to have the investments and get right. started so, and then they'll exactly. keep making you more and more money. So it's a bit like um, what would you prefer to do? Get a million dollars or one cent mm. double for a month, right? Yeah, one and, cent. And as you know, what's one cent doubled for a month? It's a billion dollars because, you know, first day you got one cent, money, second money, day you money. got two, then you got four, <laughs> then you got eight, right? Then you got 16 and it looks tiny. But see, compounding interest is the same. So when you buy a property, right, you, people don't understand that, you know, first seven years to 10 years, it doubles, but then it quadruples, then it goes eight times. That's right. People are going, like, how the hell did you do that? I had the properties long enough, right? Yeah. You know, I had to make over a million dollars in real estate last year because I've got enough properties that it's easy now. Yeah, done that when I started. It's about patience, and the point is, it's about compounding. And the what the the way compounding interest works, it's a miracle. Um, what's his name? Einstein said it was the seventh or eighth miracle in the world. Eighth wonder of the world. That's what he said. Yep, miracle wonder. That's right. Part of the <laughs> and, and and it's true. It is. It is. And if you you don't have to understand it, but just use it. Right. Just do it. Yeah. Like he so says, in, just do it. So I used compounding interest without knowing anything about compounding, and it worked for me anyway. Now I understand. Yeah. I really understand compounding interest really well. And I'm explaining to everyone here listening to us. But mm -hmm. um, the fact of it is um, you don't have to understand it, but use it because it's amazing. Because Use it to your advantage, guys. It's there for you to use. You might as well take advantage of it. Compounding interest is one of those things that's going to keep giving. It will serve you for the rest of your life. Until you die. And then it's going to give to your kids. Then it, the future generations as well. Yes, so. that's right. Susan Carter said, George, how do I get onto your podcasts? Um, if you type in, let me have a look. I'll look. You can keep talking. I'm going to have a look. Uh, positive. Yeah, that's George a great question. I guess um, reach out and maybe through private message. Uh, no, what you can do is you can just type in uh, Google George Markowski podcast. That's it. And it will give you a link to our podcast. I'm all over the oh, internet. Cool. Excellent. Yep. Because we've got um, George Markowski property show on the podcast app. And yeah, it's on Apple, Spotify. Google, Stitcher. It's everywhere. Spotify. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah it's a great question because I love listening to podcasts whenever I'm like flying or driving. Well, actually, you might be listening to this as a podcast right now as we speak, <laughs> right? Because we're doing what we're doing is we're doing a live. And if you're on the podcast, you're Spotify now, listen to us, you're listening to a recording. And hello and welcome. But if you're on one of our podcasts, come along to Facebook, come along to Australian Property Investors by George Mankowski and join us live. Yeah, awesome. Great. I've been using compounding interest since I started work in 1986. 
Awesome, Susan. Nice work, Susan. Very impressive. That's excellent. Very smart. And and thank you, Susan and and Chris Demofsky for um, going in and um, adding their name, which is great, which is awesome. I love that. Fantastic. Right? Using the link. I'm going to put the link in again because it'd be great. So just to summarise, because we're going to have to shoot off very shortly and um, go over to our private group of investors, if you could give your top three things on how to win at the money game, what would they be? Number one, what you earn is yours to keep. Mm -hmm. Remember that. So pay yourself first, put away 10%. Yeah. Right? Um, The difference between wealthy investors and struggling investors, wealthy investors, they... In, they invest their money. So what that means is they don't spend their money. So spending your money is buying um, Gucci watch, getting a loan for a holiday, getting a loan for a car. Wealthy George investors doesn't like those Gucci watches. They pay. They pay cash for their car and things like that unless you need it for work. But what you need to do is invest in yourself, invest in education, get a mentor, um, buy books, buy education, and if you invest in yourself then that will pay massive dividends. The biggest investment is yourself. And then the third so thing is, is num- and number three, yeah, number two is invest in yourself and number three is invest in property. Awesome. And, and that's how you can have a good relationship with money. And when you're making money, it's a lot more fun and funny. You know, and the, and the, this is the thing. When you've got no money, right, you think that having money and retiring is going to be the best thing. And I hate to break it to you, but once you do that, then guess what? You're going to be bored and you're going to want, then you're going to want meaning and purpose. Now, when I retired, I had, a, had a, started having a good time. And a lot of people say, well, George, why do you do this? And the reason I'm doing this is because after I retired, I wanted to find purpose and meaning. And this is where my purpose and meaning is. And awesome. then, you can, then you can really find your purpose, which is important. We have to land this plane, Georgie boy, because we've got a group group to head on over to, guys. (laughs) Christina, thank you so much for coming back and joining me. It's been great. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And thank you so much for everyone who has joined us tonight and learned how to win at the money game in life. That's right. And um, hope um, we're going to see you, not hopefully, we are going to see you next (laughs) Thursday. Actually, I won't be here next Thursday because I'm going to be in Queensland. But Christina's going to be taking the show. Thank you. I'll be taking the reins back, guys. So thank you for joining us. Have a great night.